It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey! I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Roaring from Musketeer Report. We're going to talk about Xavier's win uh, over St. John's and uh, talk a little bit about where Chris Mack ranks in the pantheon of Xavier coaches after becoming the all-time winningest Xavier coach. Talk UC's win, come from behind win at Central Florida on Tuesday night, Kentucky's uh, loss at South Carolina, and uh, a little bit about the uh, the possibility of transfers being el- eligible to uh, to maybe play right away, uh, get one free transfer, and then uh, some of the parameters that will go around that. So we got a lot to get to. First, you got something. First of all, Chad, how are you feeling? Because you were a little under the weather last time we recorded. Are you feeling better? Not really. Not really. It, it has gotten worse. But you did show up. Yes, he did yeah, show up. Which is good, because otherwise Skinny would make you run, apparently. Correct. Yeah. The, Don't we, get sick on my watch. Skinny told his freshman high school team that if they got sick, they had to run. Pretty simple. Sanitize your hands, wash your hands, wash your uniforms. Don't don't get sick. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. There are 14 I'm, and 15-year-old I'm willing kids. them to not get sick. I had one get sick on a Friday. He was back at practice on Monday. You what know, if he was know, still sick? He was a little bit. He was coughing a little and bit. And so he, he spread went, it around to the rest of your team who no, you then got mad at. No. Because no. he came back too early because he was worried about upsetting you. No, he, he wanted to practice. He wanted to play the next night. It, that, that, sh- that shows me he wants to play. He came to two straight practices, played great, made four threes in the first half last night, felt good for the kid. Happy for him. Got to practice to play, Chief. Got to practice to play. Am I right? Got to practice to play? There's a lot of sick human beings out there. Oh, I'm sick. You're at the top of I'm, the list. I'm damn close, and I, I'm the first to admit that. You, you, you also shouted down an entire gym last night. I did. I did. I had, I had a kid that decided he was going to think he was really cool for blocking a shot. Out Just, of bounds. Out of bounds. Keep it in bounds. A. And B, don't strut around like you just did something special. Don't do it. Not on my watch. Not on my, <laughs> Not on my watch. I'm, 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 I'm too old for that. I'm too old for that stuff, man. <laughs> oh, my God. What is wrong with you? And not why on, do we do this podcast? Not on my watch. He, he, he really acts like he's coaching, like, Duke. Yep. I'm, I, I'm just too, I'm too old school, dude. Actually, Coach K thinks he's a little too rigid the, and he yeah, needs like, to chill out a little you bit. You need to back off a little yes. bit, bro. That's the, that's the old school guy on Coach K's bench where it's like, look, man, it's, it's not your day anymore. We've moved on. You can't say things like that. Bob Huggins is like skinny. Relax. Yeah, come on. Man. Yeah, you know what I want to do? I want to get a stool like hugs. That's my next step. I'm going to get a stool. Well, up. you need to gain about another 100 pounds, my man, before you're stool worthy. <laughs> Rick Majerus and Huggins are the two stools I've seen. You're not I'm quite in that who, territory. Uh, who else has used those over the years? Just I mean, those two. That's the only Those two. are the two I, I can I remember. Say, I, I can't, I'm sure there's some, some, probably some coach that hurt ruptured an Achilles tendon or something like that that had. No, oh, oh, Ron, Ron Hunter. Ron did Hunter the, had, that's right, he had the boot. He had the boot. No, he had the, oh, the, the wheel. That's the right. wheel. That's right. And he fell off. He fell off of it. Yes, that's correct. In the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, yeah when his count, son yeah. hit a crazy, crazy three. shot, that was yeah. an unbelievable game. Yeah. To to keep Xavier from playing Baylor and instead playing, oh, that's right. RJ just got Georgia signed State. again, by the Did way, really? to yeah. an NBA him. contract. Yeah, one of the nicest kids I ever got to know. No, on I think you actually said that, uh, said that last year we were talking about him on the work. I loved RJ Hunter. So, there we go. Great kid. All right, let's talk about uh, Xavier's win last night. You, you thank you, God, I don't have to run. You were you were a little worried going in. Um, about just problem. because of the matchups, yeah, yeah, it's a matchup problem, and th- they don't have Marcus Marcus Levette. Obviously, he never came back. But Justin Simon, I knew he was athletic and a good driver, and Xavier got the best from him last night. I mean that he that was dude awesome. was unconscious. But I'll tell you this: you know when a guy who doesn't, I mean, he averages like eleven points a game. He's okay, but he's not like a go-to scorer right. for them, or hasn't been to this point. When he dunks on the first play of the game, hangs on the rim, gets a technical, and starts talking smack after it, you know he came to play. Yeah. He's not messing around. He had another dunk later where like it was in transition, and he just kind of like dunked casually out of nowhere, like yeah. to the side almost, and was just like went up, looked like it was just going to be a layup. Bang was like, ooh, he's serious. He's a really athletic kid, really thick, strong guard. Um, but I will say that was a weak technical from Broad Ripple Bell, which not well, surprising. I, I will tell you, and, and later actually, and I'm probably picking nits on this, but J.B. McCurry had a dunk later where he hung and there was nobody around him. And I was surprised he didn't get banged based on that one. There, well, uh, there was someone coming in from the uh, back. I, did, I didn't think it was that Skinny. close. Skinny, I was literally on the baseline when it happened. He swung off and slammed into one of their big men, Ahmed. Uh, or, or I didn't. I didn't. I believe you. He I, literally I, hit I, him I, coming I, off the rim. So, like, don't get me wrong. He did hang, and I thought they were going to call it. 
But then when he swung off the rim, he hit someone. So it's kind of like, well, that's why he was on the rim. That's right, the I'll whole intent of the rule. Give you the benefit of the doubt on it. But I, 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 again, why, just, just why are you so angry today? I'm not angry. I'm did you even one. watch the game? I did. Oh, okay. I, I did. I saw the, I, that, that dunk. I thought, how did you not get banged for that? I, I, let's, let's talk about something important here. Okay. Whoever the coach at Green Bay, Wisconsin is. Link Darner. Yeah. Link Darner. How is he not fired immediately? Like, if I'm his athletic director, I walk in and fire him today. He almost got the NKU job, believe it or not. How did Kareem Cantor played 17, 18 minutes a game there? Yeah, last? I think it was 19. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. About half, half the game. We, we were there last year. And he when was Green Bla- well, let's. We were there last year when Green Bay played NKU. At NKU. At NKU. We did a skinny podcast live from NKU after right the game. Yes. After Dollar Beer Night. After John, Dollar Beer John Night. John Brandon joined us. John Brandon joined us, friend of the show. The first half, NKU dominated. You know who played like two minutes in the first half? Karim Cantor. Karim Cantor. The second half, Karim Cantor played almost the entire half. And ended up with 23. And the game came absolutely down to the wire, and, in, and NKU had to hang on for dear life to win. And we all looked at each other and went, kid's really good. Yeah. Really good. Why didn't he play in the first half? The only thing I can think of is... Well, no, they, what, they, what they said was that they... Play, they played too fast for him. Yeah, no, no. But, but the thing I think it seemed like he got better as last year went along, and it's almost like into this year he continues to get better. Well, I think it's an improvement. If thing, you to played too him. fast for him, slow the hell well, down. Okay, I'll give you that. Point. What are you doing? Well, there's a few things there. One, Link Darner came from a Division two school where he won a national championship Correct. playing a crazy style. And so he wanted to come in and do his thing. You know what I mean? Like, I get, look, play super, super fast. I'm not saying it's right. You're right in what you're saying, but that's what he wanted to do with that Green Bay team. Even if he didn't have the personnel to do it. Karam, one, didn't fit in with that. But two, there's also, I think, that situation where you feel like you're the best player or one of the best players at a small school and you maybe get a little lazy and don't defend well and all that stuff. And all of a sudden you go to Xavier where Chris Mack is like, Look, you can either do it this way and try really hard or not and, play. and work out all the time and get yourself in better shape, or we don't really care if you ever see the court here. And so I think, to, to Karam's credit, he has taken his intensity, his physicality, his conditioning, all that stuff up another level, but that's your job as a head coach. Like, you need to get that out of him right. when he's, he's at Green Bay. clearly, clearly, at worst, the third best player on a top 10 team. Yeah. That's saying something. That's substantial. And, and honestly, I mean, when the year started, though, I mean, we thought he was what? We thought he was a nice 10, 12-minute guy, right? That could get you a little bit of offense We here thought he was going to be in that center rotation, and we'd see where it shook out. I don't think we knew for sure how that center rotation was going to evolve because Sean O'Mara's been an enigma for his entire right, career. Right. We all like Tyreek Jones, but... But he's not going to play 35 well, yeah, minutes. Yeah, I don't think any of us thought Tyreek is going to be a 35-minute-a-game guy and take all of those minutes. Like, I think we were all pretty open-minded on the fact that it's going to be a bit of a revolving door. And kind of like last year, the hot hand was the, the guy that they were going to ride. Cantor's hand just hasn't cooled. No, yeah. I think he's been he's been great. No, he he stunk for like the first three games against yeah. terrible competition, and then once once he figured it out, and and it was almost like the in fairness the shootout. The UC, the, yeah, the UC game was almost light bulb. Boom. And in fairness, he wasn't getting many minutes. Right, like I mean, like he just had to get on the court more. I think, but yeah, at this point, man, it's tough to take him off the court because of the way he is just abusing defenders, and it's been all types of guys. Like last night, you've got one of the most athletic shot blockers in the entire country guarding him. Which you would abused think, him. Which you would think would be the type of guy that gives him right, the most trouble because right. he has absolutely no lift, and he just worked him, just absolutely worked him. Um, obviously, he is not a great defensive player. Um, when has he been exposed, though? No, but but I guess the the, the key would be if you're going to play maybe as much zone as they're going to play moving forward. And you mentioned the match. I mean, the matchup for them is they can't guard St. John's off the bounce, so you got to go to the zone. They went to the zone. Went to the two three, which they haven't. I don't think they've done it much this year at all, have they? They yeah. had the past couple yeah, they, games. Yeah, they've played. I mean, ever since last year well, when they started year, implementing yeah. that late in the season and a bunch in the postseason, they've had that in their back pocket. They bust out a little bit, but yeah, I mean, this was 
I don't even know if this was the game they played it the most, but this was definitely a game where he busted out earlier than usual. Yeah, and it felt like that was one of the things, though, when, when they made the, the comeback in the second half, he was switching the 2-3 three and the 1-3-1, one, one, and, and, and it seemed like that was at least getting them some level of stops. But that's the yeah, thing I think the 1-3-1 one, really yeah. got them back on track. You, you can kind of hide Cantor in that, and that, that's the problem. It's not like you're, you're worried. If you're going to play that much zone, what are you worried about? Rick and I were talking about this before. Like I, I wouldn't say he's a good defender by any stretch of the imagination. When have teams isolated him and really... Like, when have you thought Chris has got to get him out? You know, if you go back to, like, Matt Stainbrook, there were many yeah, times. Correct, right. They put him in the blender on the pick and yes, roll. and you had to get him you out. You got to get him out. Yeah. You, you can't play him. When when have you thought watching Xavier? That's fair. He's got to get him off the floor. I haven't thought that once this year. I mean, you watch a little closer. Maybe you have. I haven't thought you got to get him off the floor. No, I mean, there just hasn't been. And how many great offensive bigs are there in the league? I mean, there's there's a fair there's a amount of couple. good bigs. I, I wouldn't say like uh, you know, oh, that's the best scorer in the country. That's my no, that's my point. Is is there's not great great bigs in that league? Yeah, I don't think the bigs are the issue. I think the issue is small guards putting them in pick and rolls, oh, yeah. and then like that was the issue for Stainbrook, is he couldn't guard the right. ball screens. Um, one Xavier has has changed things a little bit since Stainbrook left. I think partly because you know having a guy like that. It, it helps you learn how to how to handle those situations, and so they've gotten smarter about how they'll change their ball screen coverages a little bit and do some different things. They're also more versatile now than they were at that time, so they can switch almost everyone except for him. Usually, I mean, when you when you're playing Najee or Trayvon or or, uh, Karam, or uh, Kaiser rather at the four, you can switch one through four on everything basically. So that helps as well in the ball screen situations. But you're right, Chad. I mean. No one has put Karam in a spot where you're like, get him off the court, he can't guard anyone. Has it happened? There's been a few games where it's like, oh man, he's terrible defensively and he's hurting him there, but so is everyone else on the team because none of them can guard anyone. So what's the difference if he's going up the layup or someone else? Um, Another thing. Yes. Got to stop smacking the floor. (sighs) I know, Chris, I know you listen to this podcast. You've done a lot of things, a lot of free throw practice. Uh, you changed the lineup last yeah, week I, at our I, request. I mean, that's, that's two things he's heard from us. There's no question about it. the free throw practice because he finally figured out you got to shoot them when you're tired, and it's absolutely it's, it's, it's worked terrifically, it, terrifically. And and I think the lineup change has been great. You, you got to stop smacking the floor. I'm glad someone said it. I look. I I read maybe the best spin zone of all time though that I'm I'm a little bit in on this now. If you can actually make this the case, is that they're gearing up for the Marquette game. And JP is going to be smacking the floor in front of Wojo during that game. If that's the excuse they need to practice their floor slaps for Wojo, you're in. I think I can get behind it. Other than that, this is the worst move ever. They were smacking the floor in the second half of yesterday's game while giving up points on every single possession. They scored on 10 straight possessions and 11 of 12. And Xavier's out there smacking the floor. What the hell are you doing? I, I, I have no answer for it. I just have none. It's the dumbest. It's dumb as hell when Marquette does it because they're 190th in defense or whatever maybe, they are. Maybe he, was, maybe he was making it a farce on purpose. Maybe he was so mad at his guys because of how bad they were defensively that he was going to make fun of them by making them smack the floor. I'm sure at times he just wants to see them do anything um, on the defensive end, hit anything. <laughs> are you like, awake? Yeah, I just. <laughs> Is there a pulse? Smack the floor. Show me you're awake. You can't be ranked 70-something in the country in defensive efficiency and slapping the floor. That's just a terrible look. You can't be ranked second in the country in defensive efficiency and slap the floor. It's the dumbest damn thing ever. I kind of agree with that. Does Central Florida smack the floor? But, no, but Taco smacks the ceiling. Well, that's true. He does do that. If, if you have an elite defensive team where you can kind of, kind of run that and, and be cocky, arrogant white dudes that are annoying like Duke used to be, I can understand why you do it. If you're a terrible defensive team, as Marquette always is, and as Xavier's very average defensively this year at best, you can't smack the floor. That's just a fact. Do your team smack the floor? Not a chance. What if a kid did? It's silly. Um, I'd probably yank him. <laughs> Would you make him run for smacking the floor? No, I'd just ask him what, what, what was the point of that. What if he was like 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 Woj mid game? Now, if he was an elite, in his stance, like yeah, if he's in a, it. if he's an elite defender and that Come gets on. him, if he's an elite defender and that gets him going, I'll let him do it. If he's an elite defender and that gets him going, but it would not be something I would suggest doing. As long as it's so, in fact, I watched the team warm up the other day, and I won't name the team. The team it was a varsity team warm up the other day in high school basketball, and one of the drills they would do is you know you do the slide drill along the baseline up oh, the sideline yeah. back, but before they would do the slide portion of it, they all had to slap the floor before they went. 
And I thought, come on. Did you go over to the coach? And no, I just rolled my eyes out. Smack the coach? Yeah, no. that's dumb, but that's kind of like more of a, I can see that as like a, make sure you're getting low, you're touching the floor uh, yeah, for yeah, your yeah, warm-up yeah. drills. You start doing it during games, it's it's just embarrassing. But, I mean, there's nothing more, as long as Chris Mack doesn't start slapping the floor yes. like Wojo, I think we can maybe live with it. But my the God, they've got to stop doing that. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I want to ask you, Rick, um, and this is hard to do because um, I've been challenged to do this for a column. Um, last night, Chris Mack, and we're doing this on Thursday, so Wednesday night, Chris Mack became the all-time winningest coach in, in Xavier history. And really, there's been five guys since Bob Stack. We can agree that Bob Stack kind of got the ball rolling, but, but I'm not right. going to put him in that group because he didn't accomplish what some of the other guys did. If you were to rank the five since, Pete, Skip, Thad Mata, Sean Miller, Chris Mack, how would you? I know. How would you rank them? I think it's easy, actually. Do you? I do. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I'm really interested in this. And and because uh, I've been I've been racking my brain for the column, trying to figure out how I want to rank these guys and why I want to rank them. The are way you going to steal his? Them. No, but I'm gonna. I may cite him. I may cite him. I don't. I don't think well, there's any way Chris is not number one overall at this point. That's probably fair. He's done. He's done everything that those coaches have done, including get the team to elite eight, which is the farthest the yes. program has ever been in the yes. NCAA tournament. He has the most wins. Yes. He's stuck around now for nine years, which is as long as Pete Gillen. You know, I mean, right. that's... And, and it felt modern, like Pete Gillen was here forever. It really did. And, it, for, and then he still left for Providence. Right. And he was here forever because he didn't... I mean, he had some opportunities, but he left for Providence. You know what yeah. I mean? He, it's not like he had a bunch of big-name jobs Correct. calling him, asking him to leave. He was in the MCC trying to establish Xavier, getting them to the tournament. He did a great job. He had an unbelievable career, obviously. Yeah, I, I, we talk about 202 wins, and he was in the NCAA tournament, what, like six or yeah, seven got, of those got, years uh, yes, out of the correct. MCC? So and Chris he, has done it in the Big East over half of his tenure. Right. And, and that's here's, here's the problem when you start comparing the other guys to Pete. It was the MCC. And those guys, like yes, but you're also recruiting to the MCC. That is true, and Xavier was at a different point, without Correct. question. But it's just very hard to start comparing the two it eras is. when you're talking about two totally different levels of basketball. That I, being said, I still think the answer is fairly easy. I, I, okay, I, I'm agreeing with you on Chris number one. Yeah, from that point, from that point down, I'll see how much we agree. Okay, I think Pete Gillen is number. I two. absolutely agree because if if they don't beat Georgetown the year that they beat Georgetown, I'm not sure any of this happens. I, I agree. I agree. I really I just, don't. I just think. Pete did it. Here's, here's the difference between Pete and Sean Miller, who I would have at number three. Sean Miller did great things in five years, and, and he kept the program rolling. You could even he's, argue he, maybe he's he took arguably it up. a bad call away from God knows doing what the, the year Ohio State beat him. Without question. He's really sweaty. But I think in those five years, he, he did a lot. You could even argue that maybe he took the program to another level, but nine years of doing that when you're in the position Xavier was at, where they were clearly a mid-major. It wasn't a high-major program at the point when Pete Gillen was coaching them Agreed. at all. He had to get them to that point and never even really got them and all I, the I'm way serious. There. If they don't beat Missouri and or Georgetown, one of the – I just don't know if any of this ever happens. I really don't. You can't possibly rank Skip fifth, can you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where I would rank him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, so it's got to be – God rest his soul. M- Miller would be next at three. And Thad four. Right, so we're actually, we're actually four. I'm not stealing it. I actually agree with him. Yeah, and Skip. I think Skip was the worst era of Xavier basketball in the in the modern coaches that we're talking about because I mean, he recruited to play a style that was, in my opinion, kind of beneath Xavier. He recruited athletes that weren't skilled and just said we're going to run up and down and press teams and stuff like that. And then Skip's a great coach, obviously, like a yeah, lot sure. of people. But I think Skip's a better man that everyone really likes to talk fondly of than he was a coach. Yeah, no, I I, I think that that's actually right on. And that's where. I think Chris does deserve to be number one, not just because he is the all-time winningest coach. That's part of it. I just think what he has done on a consistent basis to get the program, you know, for for how long that the mid-major label stuck with Xavier. Um, now we're it talking wasn't a about, league, but they were okay. Yeah, they were. That's like, fair. You're right. I, you're right. That's fair. But but they are now arguably a top fifteen program. Yeah, top twenty program. But they, on, but on a consistent. That's what basis. makes it remarkable. Right. Is it wasn't that they were labeled improperly labeled a mid-major. For a long time, they weren't. Now they they increased the the profile. They increased the budget. They yeah, I think the tail end of the, the A10 they were not a even though they no, were a major agree. league. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I agree. I'm, but I'm saying from the beginning, like from the the start of this era that we're talking, going back to like the MCC days and stuff, they came from being a legit mid major to now they are up there in the top 15, 20 programs in college basketball. That part that's the part that's remarkable to me. Yeah, uh, when. 
talking about Chris being, you know, the best and, and why he is the best out of that group, there is not a more crucial time during this program's ever in this program's history than the the jump from the A10 to the Big East. Absolutely. And not only did Chris have to navigate that, he navigated it when all of a sudden you get Des Wells kicked out of school. And like, look, you can put some of this stuff on Chris and say, well, you got to recruit different guys or whatever. But I mean, like, Des Wells, anyone in the country would have taken. He was considered and one he, of the greatest kids in that class. I mean, in terms of his character and stuff like that, like, no one had a bad thing to say about the kid. There were zero red flags about him. You lose a guy like that, you have some turnover real quick, guys leave early that you weren't expecting. Chris had a year or two there where things were looking really bleak right after they just made this huge jump up to the Big East and didn't even know if they could recruit Big East level players yet. And somehow he got them back on solid footing really quickly and has continued that upward trajectory into the Big East and made them pretty clear cut, I think, one of the top four or five programs in the Big East at this point. And that's saying something to see what Thad Mata went on to do at Ohio State and what Sean Miller went on to do at at, uh, at Arizona, and even what Pete went on to do at Providence. I mean, Pete went to an Elite Eight at Providence, for goodness sakes. Um, so, it, you know, it's not like we're talking about the coaches that, that came here, did things, went somewhere else and bombed, right? I mean, even oh, Skip did some things at Wake. Yeah. Here's, <laughs> so Here's what, what kind of stood like... And I know, like, the, the, the circumstance, 203 wins doesn't seem like a ton in terms of, like, being the all-time wins leader at Xavier. But then you factor in that there have been five different guys through that 25-year period. What, yeah, through year that period. 25. So it wasn't like, you know, Huggins was at UC for 20-something. No. Was it 20? No, 17. 92 to what? He made... 92 no, to 07. 90 right. to 06. Or not, yeah, 80, yeah, 89, actually. 89 to 06. Yeah, okay. So 17 years, 16, 17 years, whatever it was. Like, that, that he racked up 300, almost, four, you know, 300 wins. Or three, it's either 299 or 399. I don't remember. Or big math guys on this yeah, podcast. big math guys. But, it, like, the number is pretty large. Like, for Mick to be the all-time wins leader at UC, he's going to have to be here for an extended period of time. But I guess it brings back into light the incredible job that they've done to go from Gillen to Prosser to Mata to Sean to Sean to now to Chris, yeah, like they had like you see football is a perfect I mean, example. If, if you even you, look, you went from D'Antonio to Brian to Butch, like you were doing pretty good. That one slip up set everything back. Well, you can, a decade. You can even look at at Kentucky. Kentucky had done. I mean, every coach had basically won a national title other than Eddie Sutton, and he he actually. Should have gotten to a Final Four. They lost one year to LSU when they'd beaten three times in a row. Um, and then they finally had their one slip up with, with Billy Gillespie, and it put the program behind until they had to go out and, and, and go get I mean, Cal. think about it. So it's, it's, hard, one, it's hard to do. If Xavier makes one bad hire, right. it might have ruined the whole thing. I actually just wrote that in my column this morning about why Chris's tenure has been so important because it's really easy to think when you're in the shoes of a Xavier fan and say, well, we spend so much money on basketball, we never really lose, and they just keep hiring good coach after good coach. They'll just hire within and get another Mata Miller. It's just not Matt. that. E- it's just not that easy, man. Winning is so fragile. Yeah, at the college level, yes. it's so easy to have a bad year or two. Ask St. John's, and then you don't recruit well. Ask Cal the year he went to the NIT. I mean, no, I'm talking St. John's for well, yeah, two right. decades. Yeah, it was two decades, dude. Go back to the fifties. Three, three, well, like they in the eighties and nineties. Yes, they, they, they were, were the, they were dudes. They were big time. Yeah. And you brought up UK just a second ago, but the difference is that's a blue blood that's yeah, established. They just go that, hire the next guy. Yeah, that's never going to fall off the map. Xavier could have completely lost all relevance at the at in the college basketball landscape had they screwed this thing up along the way. And the other thing is Chris Stain for nine years in a row. It's increased what their pain coach is mm-hmm. now. It's made it more of a destination job to where like people always talk about, oh, is he gonna stay? Is he gonna leave about every Xavier coach? Chris has stayed. Like, he may leave at some point now. Heck, he may, may leave after this year. But almost a decade, that's staying at a that's, job. That like, is. Not absolutely. many people last in the same job for a decade. He's made this like a destination-type job. Now the next guy that gets it, who knows, maybe he'll only be here a few years, but maybe he'll stick around for 15 or 22. You know, like, that could happen now because of what Chris has done. Yeah, because the bar's been set again at a different standard. Exactly. No, I, I, it's I, impressive. It, it it really is. No no question about it. Uh, so let's move on to UC with the win over Central Florida. Let's talk uh, about that first half. Let's really break it down. <laughs> we, we can break down every UC basket if you want. It won't take very long. 
You got, Central you got, Florida was just you making three, everything. four minutes. Yeah, nineteen fifteen at halftime. UCF led led UC, and Gary Clark had what eight of the fifteen, I believe, at the yeah, half, something like that. So he, he had half basically. Um, but second half, Jacob Evans got going, and and, and Gary Clark, oh, Gary Clark, yeah, Gary Clark has just been phenomenal. Is he the player of the year in that league? I I I wouldn't take anybody if I was starting a team from that league. The first person I would take is Gary Clark. Of course. Is he the player of the year in that league? The numbers aren't going to say it. I know. That's the problem. Unfortunately. I had somebody bring that up to me that said, I think he should be considered for one of the three All-American teams. And I said, he's just not because the numbers are going are not yeah, going to allow not, that. He, he, he doesn't have to score 22 points a game to impact winning the way he does. Right. <laughs> I legitimately thought you were getting choked up. Well, he's getting choked for a sec. He was thinking about senior night and was just like, "What, I, you know, what, what, what he's doing? He's letting the wheels spin in his head here to, to, to still answer the question of is he the player of the year in the league?" So cold. we're gonna we're, I got we're, it cold. We're, we're, we're gonna give him the second here. Yeah, yeah. He's now thinking about he's thinking about crap. He's not gonna be here next year. Tag gone, and I'm, I'm all choked up. Over, I'm legit disappointed <laughs> over that. Um, he doesn't. He just doesn't have to put up those type of numbers to impact the game the way he does, but. Is there a more important guy? Like, MVP, if that's what it is, most valuable player, he is the most valuable player in the American Conference. Agreed. But he just dominated that game. And it's funny because people get like, I call him like a, he's he's an elite glue guy. And and people get, they kind of take offense. Because the glue guy is like, the, like they think he, that he's the fourth guy. But he's like the ultimate glue right. guy. Like, the thing with Gary is, and we and we saw this a little bit at the beginning of the year, and I and I had a talk with the legend Brian Snow about this last night. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know, he called, I answered. Um, two hours later, they were still talking. Correct. Yes. So, the beginning of the year, they were trying to make Gary their best, best, like the number one option, their yeah. best player. What Gary needs to be is the number two. He needs Jacob to be the best player so that he can do all of the things that he does. Rebounding, blocking shots, steals. Stickbacks. Stickbacks, organizing their defense right. and being the, the, the anchor of their defense, the number two rated defense in the country. Like, And once Jacob started to step into that, that role, then Gary got to become Gary again. And now, I mean, that game, he was not going to allow them to lose. And and that's what he went out and did. I mean, it, it, watching him in that second half was impressive. The the impact of the victory itself. Look, Central Florida. I know before you, you thought they were an NCAA tournament team. They're not going to be. Um, and some of that's the BJ Taylor factor. And he, right. did, he did come back and play. Um, uh, the other went Tuesday night wasn't great, and obviously that's that's good in the first half. Yeah, that's some can, rust. You see, just hounding. Yeah, and, and, you, and, and some tell. of that's rust too. I mean, let's yeah. face the first game back by the second us. half. He had he was no done. Legs. Well, and let's face it, he legitimately has a bunch of guys who like he has no help correct they are that, correct that team looks like a bye game offensively correct and they're really good defensively but they are so pathetic offensively Putrid like they offensively. had no shot of making they're, the they're tournament they are, yeah, they're brutal offensively no but the point is this is kind of like this, the marquette win for xavier it's the one you, you just got to go win it whatever however it happens however ugly it is whatever you just you got to go win it yeah and just a, just take a deep breath it's on the road and, it's yeah. a tier one win it's it's probably going to stay a tier one win because of how good their defense is um yeah, they're 16 RPI this morning. So Yeah, I mean, they're defensively really, really, really difficult to figure out. But if you look at the second half, UC, UC scored 34, 34 points in yeah. the second half. They scored 38 the entire game. So UC almost beat right. them. Think about it. They scored 49 points and won by double digits. I know, that's crazy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But one, that's how good UC's defense is. And two, that might be top three worst college offenses I've seen in t in terms of a you know a higher level program. It's brutal in in a decade. I mean they. What, they, what, we, what I, I don't have it up here. I looked at it the other day. What, what was her Ken Palm rating? Three hundred and something. It was something just absurdly bad. Yeah, I think it was like two eighty nine. Yeah, something like that. Was. Sounds about so right. that was like yeah. hundred points off, yeah. and I guess one hundred and eighty yeah. or something. Well, let let's be clear. Something you said. Uh, Marquette's a, like a top forty five Ken Palm team. They're in the 80s so let's, let's well the point being of, of, of what 
I know, but in, my in point your, in your league, the impact of that win. I, but my point is, Marquette is a clear cut tournament team and top yeah, forty I, in the country. That that's, there's that a part. little bit different. I'll give you that part. That's not a game you have to win on the road. For for UC, they need to go beat UCF on the road. All right, it's a, so it's okay. That, that's it that's probably cost fair. them two seed lines or last at least year. one seed line last, last year. year. Yes. Right, that's to what lose I'm at UCF. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like, oh, UC sucks if they don't win that game. I'm saying for UC's NCAA tournament resume, that's a game they need to win, or it's going to cost them. Oh, if Xavier loses at Marquette, it doesn't cost them. Like, like, if UC loses at SMU, it doesn't burn them. Right. If it's, UC it's, loses at Memphis, if they played Memphis at Memphis, that burns them a little bit. Memphis is hot. They are. He's got them rolling. I know they are. Are they inside the top 180 yet of Ken Palmer? Who Memphis? Memphis, yeah. Um, I bet you they are. Okay. <laughs> They've got to be. Last time I checked, they were like 185. Can we, can we talk, not to speak about Memphis specifically. UConn. Oh, brutal. How, how do you, how do you. How That's do where you're you, going, right? How do you lose by, how do you, it, not, losing at Memphis is, is bad it, because this is not a very good Memphis team. How do you go to Memphis if you're UConn and lose by 25 and have the game never be competitive? Memphis is 142. Oh, they're creeping up creeping inside up. 150 now. Creeping up. And never be competitive. No. Never competitive. The, the, the best staff in that game, I watched the first half of it. The best staff in that game was Memphis did not commit a foul until there was a minute left in the first half, which tells me two things. A, UConn wasn't exactly pushing the ball towards the basket. And, and, and B, maybe there was a little home cooking. But Like 12 minutes into the game, UConn had eight, eight turnovers. Point, and less points, right? Zero assists. Yeah, that, brutal. 12 Brutal. minutes into the game. Brutal. Zero assists. UConn fans blame it on being in the American. Oh. Hmm. The, oh. The, the American Conference has ruined UConn basketball. Why don't they just win it then? It seemed like an easy no, no, solution. Do, no, do what you say what you should do in a league like that. Not just win it. Dominate, dominate it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, they they blame. They legit. They, 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 they cry to go back to the Big East, and they blame the American Conference for what has happened to their program. Blame... Kevin Ali. <laughs> there it is. I That's knew it was coming. Guy. I knew That's it was coming. I, I mean, honestly. I, I, national I, national I, championship winner, Kevin Ali. He, People he forget. is. He's going to flash that ring somewhere else after this year. I got a feeling. You There's have no, to fire You have to. You're right. You have to. I would have told him not to get on the plane after losing by 25 to that Memphis team. On the bright side, Tulane's back. It's, it's a week-by-week week thing. Yeah, they're good. I, I do want to ask you, though, the impact of, of the Houston win. What Houston win? Oh, no, I mean, sorry, the Wichita loss, rather. Um, SMU win. SMU win. Yeah. SMU yeah. win. It's, it's a big one for Cincinnati because it gives them game in separation. Hand. Yeah. gives them game in hand, and it was a home game. So you have yeah. to think Wichita is going to drop another game or two probably on the road. Losing that game at home to SMU, which Shake Milton was outside of his freaking mind. Did you see any of it? Yeah. The one shot. That From he, the corner? No, he took two out top that were 32 and 33 feet. Well, the one falling away out of bounds in the corner was yeah. absurd. He took two of them from 30-plus feet that he just took like, eh, I'm hot, feeling it, bang, bang. Um, but we've been there on Wichita State all along. Like, I cannot wait until Wichita State comes to Highland Heights. <laughs> I really can't. Where will you sit? Uh, honestly, I might be front row for that. <laughs> I just want to li- – like I said this from the preseason, and I was emphatic about it, like – the idea that this Wichita State team is good. They are a fine team. I have nothing against this team. The only thing I, I have against... I think you hate them. No, I really do not. I like this Wichita State team. I hate all the people that were saying that they should be talked about as the best team in the country. That's a ridiculous thing to say. They should be talked about as a Final Four contender. Why? They're not one of the top four teams in the country. Why would we be saying that in the preseason or the first few weeks of the season? It was ridiculous then. It's more ridiculous now. They... They're the second well, best team in this conference. They're well, not as good as UC, say, clearly. They lose at home to SMU, and UC at home rolled SMU. Beat them by 20. Yeah. And and that game should have been a 12-point SMU win, but Wichita State hit like six hit a bunch, threes yeah, in a row in the yeah, final two yeah, minutes. Like yeah. They just were throwing in everything. Yeah, and, that, and, and, and cut it. And that's not to say you don't run into a team who just plays lights out one night, and you, you, know, you don't look at matchups and just say, oh, well, this team won by 20, and this team lost by 12, so... Ipso facto, they're better. I get that. That's not what I'm doing here. No, this is a whole season-long yeah. thing. We've been watching this and tracking it closely. They struggled with UConn. They struggled with Tulsa. They almost lost to Tulsa. They've been on the ropes a couple times in the American. I like they're they're good. They're top twenty without question. Maybe even top fifteen. Yeah, they're fifteenth in Ken Palm. Today, they're just so. not as good as you see. Larry Shamit's good. Well, your boy Larry Shamit is strong. <laughs> uh, Do I like? Here's here's my question. Do I have to? 
do I have to end the rookie hazing on Larry Shamit like leading up to the UC game to like not tempt the rookie not, hazing? Yeah. You don't know what his name is. No, it, it started as a joke on the BCJ podcast. And there's no way in, in hell if you if you don't think about it and you just start talking about Wichita State that you won't say Larry when you now say I do because exactly. I've been calling him that for it's it's just like you with UCF and USF. You can't even tweet it correctly anymore. No, I can't. It, <laughs> it, it like it, it. I got over Tulane and Tulsa though. I get them. I got them separated now in my brain. Good for you. Which that, that took me so a little the best while. Part this is, is so like, much like the A-10. It seems like he can do this in like two or three letter chunks, and then it just becomes a big haze after that, right? Exactly. T-U-L, U-L, T-U-L. Like, right. that's the that, same that, damn that, school to that, me. Yeah, that that really has you going. Three, Tulane, Tulsa, three, that's, three letters deep is tough for you. The U and the F with something different in the what middle. Happened, what happened Tuesday night? One, I was hopped up on cold medication. That's oh. Hopped up on that. Good for you. <laughs> and bourbon. Because uh, when, when you have a cold, yeah, bourbon. bourbon's good for it. It's very good for a cold. Burn it out. So I accidentally, like, I got UCF right, like, the first four times I typed it. That's really impressive. And then, and then suddenly the you fifth time. You were only time, watching a game with them involved. The fifth time I accidentally put USF, and the UCF fans, like, eight of them. That's UCF. That's UCF. Block, block, what, did, did, block. Did you hashtag it, or did you Why add them? Why blocking well, people? Because they, I just I don't have time to put up with that. <laughs> If you're going to well actually me over a typo, Man, blocked. That's brutal. That's, there's I'm, like 35 Xavier fans that are blocked. I'm a nice guy, Skinny. I respond to all these idiots named Chef Boyardee and everything that are tweeting me about <laughs> because, Cincinnati basketball. Because you like the confrontation. When I went to Dana Gardens. He likes to start the confrontation and then kind of back out the side and just, just let everybody go. That is not true about him. Not true at all. Yeah, <laughs> he is absolutely enjoys the confrontation. He just likes to do it with people he knows. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. He likes to part. get in fight with his actual friends on Twitter. Yeah, he got in a fight with Will Chambers on Twitter yesterday. That wasn't a fight. Well, that was, was a, a civil discussion. A also, yeah. not friends. <laughs> okay. Notably not friends. But that was a civil discussion. It was. That it was, was not a fight. It was. I have gotten the, into fights with Will before. The, the you do have a hard on for him. I was tagged in it, and I, it just kept popping up along my timeline the whole no, time. No, I thought we had a, a legit it was, it was a good conversation it's, about it's Kentucky. Gonna, and we're going to segue we're into We're going to segue here. into that. I, you know who else he has a hard on for? Kentucky. Who? You. No. Yes. He brought that up. I didn't bring that up. But you do have a hard-on for Kentucky. No, I just made an observation about their team, and it's been right. And I gave no, you I'm credit, not, did I not? Yes, you I'm did. I'm not talking about that tweet. I'm talking about in general, in your life. Like the state or the university? No, no. the university. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. like maybe it was like a state. Kentucky fans. No, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I don't hate Cal. I, he hates Cal more than I do. Yes, I do. I'll, I don't dislike Cal. I, I, I haven't. Gone after his program. I like most of the kids they've had in there. I just didn't like this roster. That uh, we we can segue to that if you want. Yeah, no, yeah, let's do but, that. Uh, one other thing. Yes, great win for SMU because it gets them at least back in the picture. They now have a win at Wichita State and Arizona neutral, and then they need to beat UC at home. Even without that, the sixty-eight teams still have to make the field. That's true. That gives that's a new them. Rule this year. And, that's and, a new rule this yeah. year. And, and and nine of them are going to come from the Big Twelve. So that's maybe ten. But that gives them a, a bargaining chip that most yes. don't have. Yes, fair. to have that fair. that road win and, and neutral. that neutral win that gives them a combo that is very very good on their resume. And then of course, Houston craps down their leg and loses yeah. at Tulane. So you you were brief, very briefly. They might get four win, four teams in, and Chad's going to have to eat his shoe. You're not going to have to eat your shoe. No, you're you ain't going to have to eat your shoe, You're, you're safe. I think, yeah. Three, three will be That's the max. That's what I said. Three will be the max. If they get more than three, I'll eat my shoe. I know. And they're and not, you're, I'm, I'm going to be safe, I think. You'll be shoe. You, you won't have to worry about eating your shoe. All right. Let's, let's touch on Kentucky. Go I to like South to Carolina. mess with Kentucky fans. Yes, I enjoy that. Okay. We'll, we'll just get into it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, look, I just... I look at this team and I, I try to figure out how do they go on the road really and beat anybody good? How does anyone go on the road and beat anyone good this year? Like, tell me who's Maybe. doing that consistently. We're holding UK to standards that we're not holding anyone else right, to. That's my issue. I don't think this. South Carolina's good, so we'll go there. Okay, I don't think lots of teams that are winning road games or home games against good teams on the road are good. But, like, again, I, here, my, my issue is this. You have a very good take on this Kentucky team. You had it before the season. You yeah. were right about it, and I'm not arguing that. I agreed with it, and I still agree with it. It is not the most well-constructed roster. I get why you're hanging on to that. I don't understand. I also haven't ruled them out from being a team that can make a deep run. And you well, said I that mean, too. but then, but then, what are we really saying? Like, have, have analyzing college basketball. That's what we do. I know, but but like, 
you you can't you can't tell me I'm absolutely wrong and they have no upside, but I'm not ruling them out from making a big run. Like what? What are we talking about? All right, here's, all right, here's the question. I'm going to go down their schedule, and, and I'm not going to give it every no, game. No, 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 no. Before we do that, okay. let's talk about Kentucky before we get into like what they're going to do. Here's the thing. I, they, they can't shoot. They're not going to be able to shoot. Their best sh- shooter is hurt. He will come back by the end of the year, right? I mean, he's Baker? Would, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I mean, the last, last one Cal said, he's, he didn't even know when the rehab starts, right? Yeah. He started rehab, but he doesn't know what that even means. Right. Well, he didn't know Jared Vanderbilt's name last week. Correct. And then, and then he's... he's Playing so like Tuesday night. So I, I'm not. I think he'll be back by the end of the season, from what I've heard. But either way, I don't expect them to ever be able to shoot. I agree with that. The second concern is their point guard play stinks. Well, they have young point guards, and their point guard play always kind of stinks in the middle of the year. Even when they have elite talents at the point guard position, people are like, "Oh, this guy's too loose with the ball," or "This guy doesn't make good decisions," or "This, that, and the other." They usually get better by the end of the year. Not to mention, Quade Green is hurt right now. They're a much better team when both Quade Green and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are on the court. If those two play together, I don't think they have like a point guard problem that's insurmountable that makes them so much worse than all these other point guards in the country. I just don't buy into that. Second of all, both you and Brian Snow told me on Twitter the other night that this team doesn't have upside. They just got back a five-star player who was ranked 15th or something in the country. Brian Snow, by the way, had a lot to do with that ranking. He ranked them there. And yet, he returns, played one game, looked really good in his first game back, and they have no upside with He's that guy He's the same guy as four other guys on their team. I understand that, but you, adding, like, everyone else in the country would like to add another five-star talent. That can, but you're, you're taking, all you're doing is taking the same guy three, off the yeah, floor and putting for, him in. He, he's not a great shooter, right? No, he's not a great shooter, but he is a very good ball handler. He's great at grabbing rebounds he's and busting a, he's out trouble. He's a rebounder and transition. Well, and, I mean, and he probably helps them defensively. Well, I don't think that's a probably. I think he's he's six yeah. nine, super right. agile and athletic. I think he's so going to be a good. So is the defender. guy he's replacing? Well, no, you've been crushing those guys all year for not being that good. So what if he's I, I, better than who them? have I crushed? Well, you've been saying they're not good defensively, they're not tough, all these other things about them. So, but what the, if he's better the than The one that? guy that, that we've talked about as being tough is PJ Washington. Jerry right. Vanderbilt is going to eat PJ Washington's minutes. Wow, why can't you play them both together? They're all the same, right? We just saw Cal play like literally five, six, nine guys across the board in that game the other night. And you guys are telling me they can't play together? Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying that a team that hasn't been healthy all year, a team that has more five-star talent than everyone else in the country, and a team that's younger than everyone else in the country. And, oh, by the way, we act like they stink. They're like 40th in offensive efficiency and 40th in defensive efficiency. Like, that's not exact, but it's somewhere around there. If they improve a little bit, they can be right around 25-30 in both categories, which is where we say teams need to be to make a run in the tournament and be a Final Four caliber team. I'm not saying Kentucky is that. I agree with you. They have their issues. They're not well-constructed. They can't shoot. I wish their point guard would play was better. I wish they had veterans. They don't, but I still think they have upside. Like I, Cal's teams always get better by the I think they the can year. get better. I agree. Like, well, that's I'm not, upside. I don't, I, don't think I don't think they're doomed to be this exact version of themselves a, two, a month and a half, two months from now. I don't know that that's good enough is the problem. I mean, good enough to win a national title? Maybe not. But if I was a, f- a fan of any other team and Kentucky ends up as, let's just say, what are they going to be, a 7 to 10 seed somewhere in that range probably? That's probably about six, right. Seven, eight, Maybe somewhere. 6 at the best. So if they end up there and I'm a team that has to face them in the first or second round, wherever that may Virginia, fall. Virginia, or the second round. Virginia is a, is a 2. Do you think you're going to feel good about that as a Virginia fan? Probably not. Hell no, you're not. No one wants to see them on a neutral court in the tournament. That, like... They're extraordinarily athletic and talented. They've got a lot of upside. I, I mean, I get what you guys are saying. I think the same things about this team, but I think everyone's been too quick to watch this team and then just completely shut off all logical thinking well, about them I, going forward. I, I think that's fair, but I also think his point's fair too, is, is, is the issues that, that have been there since the start haven't, haven't changed and they're not going to change, right? Uh, well, if the issue is shooting, yes. Aside from that, like I think they can do a lot of other things pretty well. Like we've been, we thought, what did we think would be the one thing about this team that they would be able to hang their hat on? Defense, defense. and they haven't been. They got off to a slow start defensively, but again, they can be a top twenty-five defensive team. Their numbers aren't far off of it. I, I just want to see it more. Con- like they, it, it so hasn't traveled away from Rupp. Agreed. That most teams it hasn't traveled away from their home arenas. They've picked up actually a win or two away from Rupp Arena already this year. 
And they're the youngest team in the country. Like, you have to figure those things out. They don't even know who their go-to guys are in those situations yet. Still. Give me a decent win they picked up away from Rupp. LSU? Give me their schedule. I mean, give me their schedule. We've talked about them on here. UCLA was a loss. Kansas was a loss on a neutral. Um, Virginia Tech was home. I mean, here's here's the games they played away from Rupp. Kansas on a neutral, they lost. Um, UCLA on a neutral, they lost. LSU, they won 74-71. It's, not a, it's a win, so I, I'm not going to discount the win. A win's a win, but it's not exactly a great win. Tennessee was a loss. Vandy's terrible. They won that, and then they lost to South Carolina. So they don't. the two wins away from Rupp are LSU and Vandy. It's not like they dominated. No. Okay. Well, I mean. And, and they've still got West Virginia. I mean, maybe that's a, maybe that's a litmus test a week that, from Saturday. Oh, that, they better really hope Quade Green is back for that. Yeah. Or, I mean, they beat West Virginia and then everyone has to come changing their tune about everything they've been Maybe. saying all year long. Maybe. I just, look, I'm, I'm, not all, like, I'm not obsessed with this UK team or anything. I'm not a big UK fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just watching them and I'm like, why are we holding this UK team to standards that we're not holding any other team in the country? Like, we're not holding Michigan State and Villanova. Oh, and I, think, I, I, the, I think we I, are. I think we've held Michigan State. I mean, Nova's got one. I'm going to give everybody one, right? I mean, everybody deserves one. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying we're <laughs> saying things about this UK team that we're not asking anyone else in the country to do. Because the thing is, they 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 had they didn't play a very difficult schedule, and really the most difficult games they've played, they've lost. I mean, they haven't really answered any tests. Okay. I mean, a- answer a test, and then I'll, I'll I'll buy in. Virginia Tech and Louisville are their two biggest and they're both tests, and they were both in rub. I'm not asking you to buy in. I'm saying. I, I think this team has a chance still, and they have upside, and I was told I, and I'm that not, was ridiculous. And I'm not telling you that's wrong. I'm not, I don't think that's a ridiculous take at all. I think that's that's accurate, but at some point, just show me. Show me. Yeah, that's fair. They're going to have to do that, but that's, I mean, that's no different from any other year. It's no different from well, but a here's, lot of other teams. The here's country. the thing. In any other year, when you said that about Kentucky, you know what they had? A go-to score. They I had a, a, a top two pick in the NBA draft. I mean, they've got four first-round picks in this team. Three lottery picks. Who are the three lottery picks? I mean, just go look at go look at any draft. Knox is a lottery, a lottery pick. Do you Vanderbilt, feel like he's a go-to guy? Vanderbilt is a lottery pick, and uh, Hamadou Diallo is a lottery pick, according to Hamadou Diallo has been awful. Okay, but they still have three projected Diallo, lottery picks. I don't think he's. A, I don't think he'll be a lottery pick. I, I mean, I just. I, I didn't don't. ask you for your opinion on okay. the NBA draft picks. I said that's what they're projected to be. Like again, you're making arguments that we're not. If anyone else had three players in the lottery you all would say they have three players in the lottery uk has three players projected to go in the lottery and we're saying oh they're not actually projected to go in the lottery like what are we saying we're saying they're not going to actually go in the lottery i'm saying <laughs> y'all is not not going to go in the lottery okay but you wouldn't say that about any other team that had three players projected to go in the lottery right now maybe you just wouldn't you would say they're really talented and for some reason we don't talk about that with okay. uk because they were i mean i don't think so we're don't... talking about duke as a lock to win the national title and they've got no one's talking about uk to be a lock to win the national title but everyone thinks duke is a threat no one thinks uk is um, a threat i and don't I know get... that duke is a threat because i don't know that duke can stop anybody i think duke is a threat <laughs> yeah, okay i mean like that they're 80th that's... in the country defensively they are they allow boston college yeah. and nc state to score in the 90s by the way i think i like kentucky better than duke oh i wouldn't go that Ooh. far i wouldn't go that far Okay. You at neutral floor, you would take Kentucky over Duke. Not right now, but in a couple weeks. Kentucky's solid on both ends of the court right now. Like that's what no one wants to give them credit for. Everyone's like, oh, they're not as good defensively as we thought they're gonna be. Yeah, but they're better offensively than we all thought they were gonna be. So they're they're forty fifth offensively, thirty second defensively. Just those are solid. Like solid numbers on both ends. And for a team that's young and has struggled and everyone thinks has stunk to this point and doesn't hasn't done much, two weeks from now. If they keep improving, all of a sudden now they're down about 25 defensively, about 30 offensively, and oh man, guess what that is? I, 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 a contender. I, I'm at the stage of, 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 I'll give it two weeks and prove it to me. Because in that two-week span, here's what you got in the next two weeks. You got Florida at home, Mississippi State at home, at West Virginia, Vandy, at Missouri. You, you win four of those games. Right? Maybe even, maybe even say you should sweep them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at this. I don't have all the numbers in front of me. I'm, okay. I don't. I haven't followed the I, SEC close I, enough I to just, know exactly I, where everyone's at. But yeah. What was it again? Florida at home, Mississippi State at home, at West Virginia, Vandy at home, and at Missouri. You can't. You can't pencil in West Virginia as a win. No, no, probably not. But Florida at home, you need to win that game. Mississippi State's is a win. Okay, that's a win. And Vandy's a win. Vandy's a win. 
and then go to Missouri, which is a middling team. And yeah, Missouri. Michael Porter is not playing. Yeah. So yeah, you got to win at Missouri. Right. We'll see, we'll revisit it. I again. I'm so just if they're four and one, you're in. If they're four and one in that stretch, and 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 certainly look better, then I'm in. All right. Yeah, I don't even know what we're saying we're in on. All I'm saying is I don't think this team is nearly as bad as everyone else does. I think they've got a chance to be a contender by the end of the year, and they have a ton of upside. The interesting I, part I got is, a bunch of blowback for saying that. I didn't even think it was is, a hot take. They're pretty much exactly where I thought they would be. Like, record-wise, in terms of how they look, like th- this is pretty much what I said I thought they would be. I, I, again, I'll just go back to, to the games you've had a chance to prove something. They haven't proven anything. I think so, that's fair. So go prove something. Yeah, that's simple. I agree. All right, let's touch on uh, on NKU real quickly. They did uh, did get a bounce back win, and, and boy, we were talking about Green Bay before. Um, they're just in that league. There just aren't a ton of teams that you really have to worry about. There just aren't. I mean, it's just it's disappointing to some degree because last year I thought the league was really really good, and it just hasn't been that way this year. Yeah, um, I don't know that NKU is in a spot where they can really be saying that about anybody at this point. Like. They're the most talented team in that conference, but I still don't know that we're at a point where we're going to start saying NKU doesn't have to worry about these other teams. I mean, they they didn't exactly uh, roll over young or Cleveland State the other night. Yeah, they were up pretty big, and 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 it the was, final margin ended up being what fifteen by the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there was a good stretch where it was close, and Cleveland State was right with them. So this NKU team still has to lock in. But you're right. That's why I've said all along that I think they're still the team to beat in this conference, and not. Uh, right state because I don't see many slip ups the rest of the way for NKU. Yeah, I, well, they've I, played their toughest games already, other than the return game, game at right state. state. Yeah, so the really interesting thing right now is they're trying to figure out who kind of their go to yeah. guards are after Levon Holland. He's he's going to start at point guard and play a ton of minutes, but after that, uh, you've got three guys who have all contributed at different times and like. Some some of them have already contributed last year and then are losing minutes. Tyler Sharp, who transferred in from Louisville as a walk-on, is all of a sudden earning a lot of minutes. And Jalen Tate, who sat out last year, red-shirted, and has played a lot of minutes early in this year. You know, he was he was great at Oakland, and then he struggled against Wright State and, and struggled a little bit against Cleveland State. And Tyler Sharp got his minutes and started playing more. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that guard spot the rest of the way because they have three guys that I think can help them. And John's kind of having to figure out whose night is it, who has the hot hand, who do I play? And that's hard, that's sometimes hard to gauge. I mean, until you throw them out there and see what they got, and suddenly they're in there for three or four minutes. Like, well, it's not his night. Let me go to the next guy. Um, that, that that can be hard. That's a t- that's a tough thing. It can be hard to get them in a rhythm, too, yeah. When you're doing that, yeah, no question about it. Um, all right, let's, let's touch on one more t- uh, topic before we get the final take time. Um, I know you've been beating this drum for a while, Chad, and it's the fact that there was a report from ESPN that that it. I don't know why 95% was the number used, but that was the number used. 90, it's been coming. Yeah, 95% certain that that uh, that in, in college football and basketball, players will be allowed to transfer one time free. They still will have the ability to graduate from a college and use a fifth year of eligibility um, as well. So technically a guy can play for three different schools without having, having to sit out. It is coming. Um, it's probably the right thing to do. The, the question is, what parameters are, are there? I mean, is it going to be you've got – You've got April to make up your mind. and at the They're going to have to do a transfer by, by, window. Yeah, by the end of April, if you haven't made up your mind, the window closes. How does it affect things academically? Um, how does it affect APR? I mean, I, I, there, there, are, there are some hoops to still jump through for this. But it is probably the, the right APR part's do. easy. I mean, you, just, you have to be in good standing when you leave your school. Your school. That's going to be covered because there are going to be academic restrictions on not sitting out a year. Like, you're going to have to have a certain GPA or a certain number of credits to transfer to be a junior. Like, if you're a sophomore going into your junior year, you're going to need this many credits to be... And if you don't have them, then you're not... And if you don't have them, then you're going to sit a year. Like, there's there's going to be a lot, a a good number of restrictions on it that's not going to allow it to just be the wild, wild west. But it's... I mean, it's going to change a lot if it goes through and, and it becomes available so what what is your guys takes on it like what do you do you like it i I, I do like it um because i I think it gives the players some of the power that they deserve yeah but i do think the thing is what's it going to do with the recruiting window what's it going to do with with the window of of how long you're going to give these guys to make up their mind to make that transfer i mean if if head mata gets fired slash quits in june what do you do with that group of players that that 
we're, we're all in with him and he leaves. Are you now going to reopen that for, for those guys if a coach leaves? Is that part well, of the Well, I, I think if you put this in, you have to put in, if the coach leaves, you're free to go. To go. Which is going to, that is that, going to make be, for more interesting situations than the transfer rule will. No question. Because you could have mass exodus. Y- yeah, I mean, you, you, you could literally I mean, have you a, already do at times, though. Yeah, but not, not like, like not like if everyone on the roster and the recruits could all leave no matter what and not and, have to jump through hoops. Yeah, it's and just you're down to three guys in July that are on your roster that have a scholarship. I mean, I think you could see... Said McGowan. I was just, I'm, I'm unfazed. I was just going to say, I think you could see more situations like the McCronin situation where you walk into a team that you're just, just grabbing guys off the street to play for you. Yeah. Said now, McGowan. Timmy Crowell. John Williamson. The hammer playing center at 6'5". Marcus Sykes. Marvin Gentry, Jamal Warren, Connor Barwin, Connor Barwin, Connor Barwin. People forget Hollywood Ron Allen, Hollywood Ron Allen, man, one of the great shooters of all time in warm ups. Just ask him in warm ups. Just ask him. <laughs> that was a bad group. I, so, what do you think? I like it. I've always been on this train. Yeah. I've always thought the players should be allowed. Should to there go be a window though? I don't really care because that's only a, a laziness thing for the head coaches. They just don't. They want to be able to enjoy some of their summer and not be worried about recruiting. But the fact of the matter is, they're all trying to steal each other's players. Well, and, but but the only thing I would say is I I don't know. If, I mean, how many guys are you getting in 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 May and June and July? I mean, Xavier's done that every single year, pretty much. They never get them by April. Stainbrook was in like July. All right. Cantor was in. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about transfers. I'm talking about if you have three guys leave in July, who are you getting off the street to come play for you? Don't have your kids transfer in July. <laughs> That's easier said than done. I mean, keep your kids wanting to be in your program, okay, and they right. won't leave in July. Like, I think. Well, I leaving think what, in July isn't advantageous for the players either. I, I, I think what you need to do is you don't necessarily have to put a window on on where they land, but I think you need I'm to put about a, where they land. I'm talking about the time frame of letting a school know that you're leaving. Yeah. yeah. And I'm fine with that if they do. I don't think it's necessary, but if they if they if they do do it, I'm fine with that. My my biggest thing is I keep hearing. People worried about the mid-majors. Oh, this will just become free reign, like the Karam Canner situation. Oh, we'll just be guys like that. All, I mean, he was a graduate transfer, so it's yes, different, it's obviously. Different, yeah. But the point being that you know, a guy like Carson Williams, who's done really well his first two years at NQ, well, now it's just free agency and go wherever he wants. Well, first of all, a lot of times those guys are at a place like NKU or a mid-major because they have deficiencies that didn't make them a high major. That was the right level. Right, them. right. Like I don't know that Carson Williams can play in the Big East the At way six he, foot five, right? right. The I way mean, he can sure. in in uh, in the Horizon League. Second of all, what people fail to realize is there are way more good players. At the high major level, that aren't getting minutes, that or got look, injured, that or doesn't like that, their that, coach, that can beef up the mid major, that it will transfer down, yeah. and the mid majors will eat off of this. Correct. Like NKU and schools on the horizon, they will feast off of guys leaving Xavier and UC and UK and things like that. That maybe not aren't well, good enough to transfer and, and play somewhere else. High you, major. You, you see that with some Division two programs that that have taken some of those guys that, that, that they've played Division one for three years. They want to play a, a last year. Suddenly they're allowed because the reason they do it is they're allowed to play immediately when they go from one to two. And some of those programs just feast off of that. So instead of them now going from one to two to do that, they go from high major into the mid major ranks. I saw it firsthand when I was at Marshall football. There were one double A still at that point in time, and in one double A you didn't have to sit. Randy Moss didn't suck. Randy Moss didn't suck. They had, I think, nine to twelve NFL guys. Right. The one year I was there, when they were in one one double A, right. That they managed to put twelve NFL guys on a one double A roster because they were able to come down and not sit and be able to play and play at a high level, win a championship, and go to the NFL. Like, yeah, because the, the the situation you run into is if a guy's already spent two or maybe even three years at a high major, and all of a sudden, like you're midway through your junior year, and you just realize, oh wow, I'm not in their plans. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not yeah. going to. They're play. Gonna, they're recruiting over top of me, and I'm not playing, and I'm not getting minutes, and I want to go play. Right, and and in the past, basically, you just have to stick that out. Right, you're you stuck. have no you're repercussions. Stuck. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, you don't want to transfer and sit out another year before your senior year. If you have that option now. There's going to be a lot of guys that take advantage of that and beef up the mid-major. I mean, just now, again, it's a domestic violence situation. That's why he had to leave Illinois because he was doing really well there. But look at Kendrick Nunn at Oakland. Look what he's doing for Oakland and how he's beefed up their team just with one guy. 
this will help the mid-majors oh, more so than it will help the high majors. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the, the last part to it is, should, should schools be allowed to restrict maybe inside their own league where guys can go? Oh, I think it should be no transferring inside your own yeah. conference. I, that's a league. Like, the, that's a league Yeah, that'll issue. be decided yeah. by the league, yeah. not no, the NCAA. I, yeah. Most leagues have rules in place where, like, you lose an extra year if you transfer inside the league. Now, well, the other part to it is some, other, some, some programs will put further restrictions on guys – I think you got to get rid of that. Okay. I, I agree with that. I'm just the asking. The thing I think you allow is, like, it can't be a team we're going to play next year. Like, uh, I don't even agree with that. I think that's the whole point of transferring. I'd be transferring to anyone on your schedule for next just to year. Pr- just to prove yeah. you. You know, yeah, I just I to prove you. you. I, I don't agree with that part. I think you should be able to. I think then suddenly we're getting into a lot of restrictions if you start doing that, man. I, I, that's one. Yeah, but it's, but, but, but it's mul- multiplied. Teams. Yeah, multiplied by yeah. <laughs> well, it's many... more for football than I, I. Basketball, it's difficult because basketball, it's difficult because the schedules aren't really known until well later, after what yeah, would be the transfer a later in the game, right? Period, right? And most teams don't release their schedules until late August, early September. It's not like you could just say we're restricting everybody. We might play like we're you yeah, can't we're, play for anybody. We're discussions we're with to. with these fifty-seven yeah. teams. Yeah, we're, you can't play for anybody we're talking yeah. to. Yeah, I, I just don't like that. And, no, I mean, I I th- I football, think it, it's a little different because your schedules are made in advance, five, six, yeah. seven years in advance. Yeah, I just think if you're opening this up, the idea is to, like you said, give some of the power back to the players and let them have some freedom, which seems just logical to me because any other college student would have those same freedoms. So if you're doing that, then why place a restriction yeah, I mean, like that on it? You I do. Mean, you see, look, if, if you're a kid who got recruited by, I'm just going to throw out to NC State and you were down to NC State. And uh, Elon, just throwing those two out for whatever. NC State saw something in you they liked. You got to go, Elon. Well, no, if you're down to Duke or Eastern Kentucky. Well, no, but like the point is backup point. The guard. point is, you get a lot of guys that'll go, man. I got, I'm going to NC State just because. It, and then you realize, man, I'm in way over my head. And you're right. Then three years in, it was really cool for a couple of years. The third year, you're stuck. In this case, I, 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 I think it's an easy answer: is is let them go. Just yeah. let them go. And, and the only thing that sucks, and and granted, maybe. Maybe this is totally unfair to say, and I'm not saying it about James Farr specifically because he did stick it out at Xavier, and he could have transferred absolutely, and he was kind of told, we don't know what your status is going forward after his sophomore year, and he decided to stick it out for two more, and finally his senior year, it, it went on, yeah. it, he was awesome, yeah. and the, maybe the last you know month or two of his junior year even, but that, I mean, that, could be a, that might be the thing that sucks for some teams is you lose that guy who would have stuck it out for four years, had a great senior year, and been a, been a memorable player in your program. Maybe that they does, leave a year early. Yeah, now. and that doesn't happen all the time. So, I mean, yeah. I the point is it gets the power back to the players. Yep. Power um, to the players. All right. You got a final take, Chad Brennan? Yeah. Uh, the interesting uh, topic on my message board showed up. Um, top five players of the Mick Cronin era. And uh, I generally, when I have done this, have gone Cashmere Wright, Sean Kilpatrick, Rashad Bishop, Yancey Gates, and then... It varied through a couple others. Are we at the point now that that Gary Clark and Jacob Evans are both inserted into that? Do, do I go? I think Gary Clark is for sure. The question is: is, is Gary Clark and Yancey Gates are the two best bigs? Yeah. that Mix had um, point guard. There, you know, there's there's Deontay Vaughn, there's Cashmere that I go with. Um, there's, Deontay Vaughn's there's, hard to grade, and that's a shame too because yeah. he was really good. And then there's Troy Payne. You know, you've got some guys at point guard there. Um, Sean Kilpatrick is is automatically the two guard. I slid Jacob Evans in at the three over Rashad Bishop, uh, just because I think Evans has really become an elite defender, and he's hit, he was better offensively than Bishop was. Bishop is still probably the better defender than Evans was, but now you you, you slide Gary Clark in in there. What, what was the consensus? Um, it's still ongoing. But, okay. Um, the, the really the only the everybody has SK. and you did this obviously by position. I thought you initially were doing it just the five in I, general, but that's fine. Do it by position. That's fair. Even not by position, I think those are probably the. I mean, the hardest one for me, I guess, is Lance. Like, you, you can't include him on the best of Mick Cronin. Like, if you're talking college players, you can't include him on that. If you're talking most talented players to play at UC ever, sure. But if you're talking like best players of the Mick Cronin era. I would think you'd have to factor in like what they did while they were at UC, the the meaning they had to the program, and I just don't think he can fit in there in that one year. I, I kind of agree with that. No, I mean he's obviously awesome. Man. Would you I, agree with talented. the five that I had? I wasn't listening. I'll be honest. Cash, SK, Evans, Clark, Gates. 
Sure, I, I honestly don't know if I could name other UC players off the top of my head. Like, it's an honest answer. <laughs> like in that situation of like who's the best ever, I don't. I haven't thought about who my top five UC players are. I'd have. To I, I could make an argument for Deontay Vaughn. Just, just here's 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 what my argument for that would be. When Vaughn was at his best, Jamal Warren was playing point guard, and Vaughn was running off a ton of screens playing the two. Like, and that spot's taken. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that spot's He's taken. He's not Sean Kilpatrick. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's what I said. If you're going by position, then yeah. If if you're arguing just pure talent, I guess you could take Vaughn over Cashmere, right? Um, I would just go Cash because I thought he was a point guard. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I, I that would the, Cash would be my argument. That would be the only one that I wouldn't uh, probably. But I mean, the thing about Cash is while he maybe never quite lived up to expectations and have quite the career you would have liked him to have, he was on some damn important teams. Yeah, he had and some success. He, he he was damn good on those important teams. Yeah. Like he was never because of the injury. He never became the player that everybody thought he he could potentially become because yeah. the explosiveness was just never right. there like it was before he blew out his knee. But he still was pretty damn good. And you go back to some of those Big East games, like beating Syracuse in the Big East tournament, some of the threes he hit um, to, to get them into the Big East finals that year. The, the That run getting into the Sweet 16, he made some huge plays. Like, I... I I just think I have to go cash as my point guard. It's my point guard. He's your guy. He's your, and, and he's your guy. It's my yeah, he's your guy. Which is my, my point guard. It's my point guard. Uh, you got a final take, Junior? I got nothing. <laughs> small baller. I, I love small baller. I got nothing. I thought, I thought we'd have something. Baller. I thought we'd have something from you. All right. Boys, I appreciate it as always. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Skinny Podcast, sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey! The college basketball edition. For Chad Randall. I don't. I got my car fixed. And Rick Broering. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Sunday with another edition of the Skinny Podcast. Sponsored by Sunday, Sunday. Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey!